just sense the presence of God. We know the Holy Spirit dwells within each believer, but sometimes we just don't sense it. But certainly this morning I have, uh, with the music that we've sung, thank you for that. I would like you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You can help the little kids maybe that are sitting there on the couch. You can help them find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Most of the verses we use this, uh, this message today will be just quoted or, or read rather than turning in your Bibles to see them because of time. But in this verse, there are three words that I have underlined, and we're only going to be looking at one. Last uh, August, we began a series of messages on heaven, kind of using Randy Elkhorn's uh, material and also David Jeremiah's, and I believe the message today came primarily from uh, Dr. David Jeremiah in one of his books that he wrote. Uh, but in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, three words, and as I read this, you might be able to tell which three words, but we're only going to focus on one of them this morning. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Moreover, it is required in, stu in stewards or of stewards that a man be found faithful. Let's begin in prayer. Father, as we consider one of these words, faithful, I pray that it might we might be encouraged to be so, that our lives might be marked by faithfulness to you rather than faithfulness to ourselves, but faithfulness to you. So I pray this, that our hearts will be challenged, please, in Jesus' name, amen. I normally save my corny riddles for, for my weekday uh, devotional, but because this does apply, I'm going to, to say it uh, or ask the question, what does the janitor say when he jumps out of the closet? I know this is old, this is a groaner. What does the janitor say when he jumps out of the closet? He says, supplies. Well, that's kind of the title of the message this morning. Supplies, or we know surprise, uh, because there are some prizes, surprises, and prizes ahead of us in our future, not in this life necessarily, and probably, well, lots of surprises, but not the kind that we're looking at this morning, uh, surprises that we're going to have when we get to heaven and realize what has been taking place while we've been upon this earth. There's a, a story, it's an old story, but it has a, uh, a contemporary point, and it's a story of Mark who was walking home from school one day, and as he was going, a, a kid in front of him, his own age, uh, tripped and he fell. And he, he spread out all of the things he was taking home from school. And, and so Mark bent down and began to help him gather up, and he had a sweater and he had a baseball glove and he had a, all of his books, a stack of books and a stack of notebooks, and he had pens and pencils and all kinds of uh, collections that, that he'd had. And and so uh, Mark says, well, uh, I will help you carry these home. You're, you're probably on my way. I'll just walk with you. And he had his arms full of stuff, and he found out that this kid 
his name was Bill. He loved baseball. He, uh, he loved history. But the rest of his subjects, he really struggled in. And so they got talking, and, and they got to uh, Bill's house. And Mark stopped and carried the stuff in. They began to talk and visit, play, and, and tell jokes and laugh and, and have a good time. And, and that began a casual acquaintance, anyway. Sometimes they would eat lunch. Uh, here, they were, in, uh, they were in middle school at the time. And so they would eat lunch together, and, and they would visit each other. They would talk and just have a good time every now and then. But on the day, uh, on the week before their graduation from high school, Bill pulled Mark aside and said, do you have time to, to talk? And Mark said, sure. And so Bill reminded Mark of that day when they first met, when he'd helped pick up his things. And he said, did you ever wonder why I was carrying home so much stuff that day? And Mark said, well, no, I guess I never really thought about it. And he said, well, uh, I, I emptied out my locker. I didn't want to leave a mess for anybody else to have to clean up. He said, I'd stored away enough of my mom's sleeping pills so that I could go home and end my life. But after spending time together talking and laughing, it turned things around for me. You see, Mark? When you picked up those books that day, you did a lot more for me. You saved my life. Now, Mark found that out five years later. But in most cases, we won't hear the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, until we get to heaven. I think then we're going to find many surprises, have many surprises while we are there. How many small acts of faithfulness or kindness seem to just not be noticed at all. How many times have you shared Jesus Christ with somebody and, and you're met with a blank stare or, or uh, with a, I don't need this kind of stuff or don't preach to me, preacher, or whatever. Or the times you have spoken up for the unborn. And maybe you held a sign at uh, Fargo or down in Robbinsdale and all you received that day were people rolling their windows down, cursing you out, and, uh, and giving you hand gestures. And you think, what's the use? And you never hear of a life that is saved because of what you did. Or maybe you spend a day, all day, all week, all year, washing clothes, washing dishes, cleaning the house, washing the floors, and you uh, uh, countless nights singing off-key lullabies, and you think, is it worth it? Does anybody notice? Well, most acts of love will not be rewarded in this life. Most acts of love will not be rewarded in this life but will surprise us in heaven. This, uh, and for, for three reasons. The first is that God is watching. I, I want us to remember, God is watching. I normally think of this as a bad thing. <laughs> oh, please, I, God, I hope you're not watching. Oh, I wish you wouldn't have been watching, but I know he's watching. But it's a good thing. 
He is watching. I, in devotions this week or Bible reading this week, Psalm 101, verse 6, said this. And since I was thinking about this message, this really caught my attention. It said, my eyes will be on the faithful. That we may dwell, that they may dwell with me. My eyes will be on the faithful. I'm thankful. He is watching me. Now, there are times that I wish you weren't, but I know He is, and it is a good thing. Number one, God is watching. Number two, God is keeping track. This is a good thing. Malachi 4:16 says that there's a book of remembrance for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. There's a book of remembrance. I've got a book. Maybe, maybe we all have a book, or maybe it's just one great big, you know, stack book or one book that's written on a computer. And, uh, but God has this book of remembrance, and it is a good thing. He remembers whether uh, anybody else does, whether the kids remember things that we might do or, or the parents remember the good things the kids have done, uh, whether... We forget their birthdays or we forget anniversaries. God remembers. It is a good thing. God is watching. God remembers. And lastly, God will reward the acts of faithfulness to him. Right down to the, if you give a cup of water in my name, I will reward you for that. That's great. He re- Rewards us for faithfulness to him. Remember this when we don't see fruit from our testimonies or the tracts we give out or the New Testaments that we give or are giving our testimonies and, and we see their faces sour and, and they don't want to hear this. It is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. It is required of stewards that a man be found faithful, not successful. Remember this. We want to be successful, don't we? That's not in our hands. Success is in in God's hands. Faithfulness is in our hands. It is required of stewards, believers, that a man be found faithful. And he will... uh, he will surprise us someday in heaven. I anticipate a lot of surprises in heaven for things that, that I thought nobody noticed, but he did. I think I will be surprised by things I thought were successful, but really weren't. Things that I did for myself, things that I did because for other people, wanting that recognition, but I'll be surprised by those as well. But I'll be surprised by things I thought nobody noticed. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place for, for all. For everybody that gets there. Every believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, the testimonies we heard in the song and in our Sunday school story. Uh, those that have placed their faith in the work that Christ did on the cross to pay the price for our sin. They are stewards or saints, believers. And they're going to... Uh, be, uh, they will receive treasure in heaven, as it says. Not all will have the same amount of treasure because not all, everybody is, is uh, desiring to lay up treasure. That's why Jesus said, hey, this is what you as disciples need to do, lay up treasure in heaven. 
where moth and, um, moth and rust uh, can't corrupt, nor thieves break in and steal. And so, but we all will have treasure, just some will have more treasure than most. Not everybody will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not everybody will be given the same responsibilities in heaven. Heaven will be wonderful for, for all, but it will be more wonderful for some. Got that? Heaven will be wonderful for everybody, but it will be more wonderful for some. Just as hell will be awful for all, but it will be worse for some. And Jesus says this. Uh, he says that this city is going to experience greater torment in hell than Sodom and Gomorrah. Because this city, you have heard me as Messiah speak vocally. And Sodom and Gomorrah just had to deny Abraham and Lot's God. So uh, our joy in heaven is determined, or the amount of our joy in heaven, is determined by the amount of our faithfulness to God here on this earth. So it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. So this all adds up to what? Differing rewards for everyone when we get to heaven. Differing positions of rulership or service when we get to heaven. Upon the earth during the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ and also during the uh, ruling and reigning in the new heaven in the new earth. And so it all, it's all decided by our lives here. I, I hope we catch that today. The decisions we make today and tomorrow and next week and the week after determine uh, our faithfulness to God and our rewards and responsibilities in heaven in the future. Now, five of these rewards are called crowns. And they're given to us in Scripture. Five different crowns for different things, but different ways we might earn rewards for faithfulness. This first crown, I hope I don't have to get it. I don't want this crown. Now, it would be an honor for me to wear this crown, but I, I hope I don't have to. And you say, ah, what, what's the deal with that crown? It's called the crown of life. That sounds good. It's going to be a beautiful crown. It's going to be something that people will see and say, wow, that guy knew what faithfulness was. Revelation 2.10 describes the crown this way. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Now, if it means that when I die, I'm faithful right up to the time I'm laying in a hospital bed or laying in my bed at home and I breathe my last. If that's what it means, I, I want it. But in the context, that's not what it's saying. It's called uh, the martyr's crown. I don't necessarily want to be, die a martyr's death, uh, especially if it's burning at the stake. That is my, my thing I least want. I, I'd much rather go by a machete than than be burned at a stake. Uh, and I think machetes are more popular now than burning at the stake. So that's, you know, that might help. But I, I don't want that crown, although it would be an honor if I died that way. Now, the second crown is called the incorruptible crown. 
So an incorruptible means that it won't rust, it won't uh, decay, it, it lasts forever. And this is described in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And it is for determination and discipline and victory. Uh, this is the crown I want. I want to experience, I want to win a crown for being determined uh, not to go back to sin. Maybe something that I craved in the past. I want to win a crown for saying, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to be a servant, even if I'm treated like one. Uh, I'm not going to look at that. I don't need that. Uh, I, Jesus said that you look at, a, at the magazine there at the, the store, uh, and it causes you to lust, and it's like committing adultery in your heart, and, and I'm not going to do that. That's the crown, the incorruptible crown. I want that crown. A victory in the Christian life, saying no to sin. That's the second crown. The third crown is the crown of glory. Uh, this is really the crown I, I'm hoping for, praying for. The crown of glory. It's the first Peter chapter 5 crown. And that chapter, if you remember, it's written, written to under-shepherds. It's written to pastors and deacons and bishops and, and uh, those in positions of leadership over flocks of sheep. And it's the crown of glory. I want that. Uh, he, he writes in that passage in 1 Peter 5, when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus Christ, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Oh, if the Lord appeared today in the, in the clouds and he caught us up into glory uh, and uh, we stand at the Bema seat or the reward seat of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I, I pray that I might get a crown of glory for being a faithful under-shepherd when I see the chief shepherd. That's what I want, the crown of glory. The fourth crown is the crown of righteousness for purifying and readying myself for Jesus Christ at his return. Second uh, Timothy 4, Paul writes about this. He says, I have fought a good fight. I've finished the course. I've, I have uh, kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not for me only, but for all those that love his appearing. You want a crown of righteousness? You can't wait for him to come. Uh, when I, and I talk to some older people that say, uh, yesterday talking to a lady, and, and she said, uh, I, my body is just given out. I, I, I can never hope to receive my strength back again. And, uh, and I said, well, you're going to have a time when you, you'll receive all kinds of strength. And you'll be new when Jesus Christ uh, appears in the clouds and takes us away. And, uh, but Paul was saying, fight a good fight. Purify yourself. Get ready for Jesus' return. I'm hoping that everybody that I come in contact with will think about someday, and it might be soon, let's look for glory. Let's, let's look for Jesus Christ. Be excited about his return. I'm afraid that some say, oh, you know, I want Jesus to return, but not yet. Now, there are cases that 
I understand that. Uh, before weddings, you know, oh, please, Lord, don't come until we get married. Then it's, oh, please, Lord, don't come until we have some kids. Oh, Lord, don't come until we have a successful business. Don't come until I can retire. Don't come until uh, we've got all kinds of excuses or reasons why we're saying, uh, hold off, hold off. Now, if you want a crown of righteousness, say, Lord, come today. I, I hope that you begin the day saying, Lord, come today. This would be a great day for you to come. You get a crown of righteousness. Then the last crown is the crown of rejoicing. And this is uh, pouring yourselves into somebody to lead them to Christ or to disciple them. These are the things that we're here for. We are here on this earth to show Jesus Christ or show people Jesus Christ. We are here to do that and then to disciple them once they trust Christ. The other things are just frivolous. Oh, yeah, making money is good if it's, if it's sending out missionaries and if it's supporting a church that's out preaching and, and discipling. But our responsibilities are here not to go into the world and earn lots of money or go into the world. And uh, the goal is with whatever we're, we're given, and God gives us much, some people much because they use it for his glory. And he gives some of us little. And uh, we're supposed to steward what he gives us. But our goals are to win people to Christ and disciple them to be soul winners, to reach out into their communities. That's one of the reasons we're making some changes. And we mentioned, you know, uh, we've had a number of deacons meetings. Uh, Three years ago, we decided what do we need to do at First Baptist to accomplish God's goal for us in this community. And we determined there that it was to win people to Jesus Christ and to disciple people. Small groups, one-on-one. We're supposed to do this. Finally, we're reaching the place where, well, how can we best do that? And so we're beginning to think, and now everything has gone out the window with this corona a virus, and so now is the time we can uh, we can decide to do it God's way, or, or or do things now, not because they're easy. I am comfortable. I, I told the deacons once. I said, uh, "Your next pastor can preach two services every Sunday morning, not me. Uh, your next pastor can preach can live stream." I told them, "The next pastor can live stream their messages, uh, just not me." Uh, your next pastor can go on Facebook and give a devotion every week, and not me. Uh, God had different plans, didn't he? he? He changed that for me, and he's, he's getting me to think, why am I here to make saints comfortable or to, to make them soul winners? And so it's been... It, Changing things up is going to be uncomfortable. And we have discussed this, and we have battled it out, and we have argued, and, and uh, then we reach the conclusion, okay, then how best can we do this? 
And we're going to try some new things in the future uh, that, will, that we feel God is directing us to do so that we can best disciple and lead and soul win. Disciple and soul win. And we're going to need everybody's help because it's, going, it's not going to be like the same old, same old, comfortable. It's going to be inconvenient for a lot of people. It will be inconvenient for me. If they say we can open up the auditorium for 100 people, uh, but not 200 people, then maybe I have to end this service this morning and then preach another service for the next 100 that come in. You know, maybe that will be it. Maybe it will be uh, making other changes that will be uh, stretch us. And I know that it will. It will be inconvenient for a lot of people. But we're not here for convenience. <laughs> we're here for Jesus Christ. It is required of stewards that we be faithful. That's a requirement. So the last crown was the crown of rejoicing, the soul winner's crown, the disciplers' crown. Now, there will probably be a lot of other crowns. And there will probably be a lot of other uh, rewards. I, I imagine it's going, going to kind of be like our preschool and our lower grades where everybody gets a certificate. You know, Johnny gets a certificate for he finally stopped kicking the, the girls in his class. So he gets a certificate. You know, a thank you for stopping uh, doing that. And lots of different rewards. I, I think that will happen in, uh, in heaven. But be faithful. Don't quit. Your what uh, counts today is your dash, and you've heard that between the, your birthday, the day you were born, if you look at a gravestone, uh, day, day you were born and the day you died, there's a dash in between, and that is your life. Everything that is going to count in heaven is determined by your dash. By your faithfulness here, stay in the game. Don't quit. You know, in a time long ago when they used to play football, they had this game where you'd go out there and bash each other uh, apart. Uh, they began to put microphones on certain players. And so you could hear them out there, and you could hear the helmets just bashing each other. You could hear the groans and as they were getting up. And in a particular game, uh, you, all of this crashing going on, and uh, distinctly you could hear a bone breaking. And when the dust cleared, the quarterback is writhing on the, the football field and uh, holding a broken arm, and they load him onto a cart, and they rush him into the locker room, and they put ice on it, and then they, they wrap it, and then they put a type of a brace on there, and then they rush him back out to the field to uh, complete the game, to play again. And, and he's out there, and the team is behind, and he comes up, the quarterback comes back out, and he inspires the team so much they go on to win the game. Why? Because Brett Favre knew how to play hurt. And that's what he did. He played hurt. That's what we're required to do. Play hurt. I think all of us know of somebody that used to be a player in a church. Maybe in this church. And they taught Sunday school. And they, and, uh, they, they sang in the choir. And they did all kinds of things. But one day, somebody said something 
And they got offended, and they got hurt, and they quit. Now, we only win if we play hurts. It's required of a steward to be faithful even when it hurts. Jesus played hurts. He, in the upper room there, uh, the, when he celebrated the Lord's table, Judas got up and left. Jesus knew where he was going. What did he do, though? He washes their feet. He continues to teach. He continues to encourage them. And when he goes in a few hours, he's hanging on a cross. He's playing hurt. What does he do? He prays for his murderers. He uh, encourages those that are near. He grants eternal life to one of the thieves. He makes sure that his mother is cared for. Jesus was willing to play hurt. Now, uh, we too will be misunderstood lots of times. Uh, Half the time, I misunderstand myself. And so you're going to be misunderstood. I will too. Uh, Be sensitive to those that we might be hurting. But have a tough hide when it comes to being hurt by others. Don't live so that you will stand before Jesus and say, I wasn't faithful because somebody else said something nasty to me, and and, and I just couldn't keep playing. I have a good reason. No, no, you don't. Jesus played hurt, but he was mean to me. Tough. Jesus played hurt. Continue to play even when it hurts. Why? God is watching. Two, God is keeping track. Three, God will reward acts of faithfulness. Be faithful, even if it doesn't look successful. Maybe you'll be surprised when you get to heaven. Let's pray. Lord, might we keep heaven in view, even when we walk in a sinful world, might the view of heaven look better as the world becomes darker? Might we be faithful stewards? Stewards only handle what their masters give them, and the master doesn't give us more than we can handle. He gives us just what we need so that we are required to walk with you in order to get by, in order to survive. So, Lord, I I pray for these that are watching that maybe there's somebody that's never placed their faith in you. Today would be a great day for them to begin a life with Jesus Christ, to open a book of remembrance where you can begin to record all their acts of faithfulness. Lord, I pray for those that want to quit, Help us to realize that we've got to play hurt. That's the way we need to finish this race, finish the course, keep the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness because sometimes I've had to play hurt. Might that be the prayer of all of us this morning, please? And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.